0: Hello and welcome DC Comics News fans, comics fans, DC Comics fans, fans of podcasts about comics. Basically, if you like comics, if you like DC Comics, you're in the right place. Now, if you're a regular, you already know where you are. And if you're not, if this is your first visit, well then welcome. You have arrived at the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. That glorious introduction music was your cue to an adventure. An opportunity is to spin the spinner rack within the dimensions outside of all other dimensions. The one that spins with all the books from DC Comics this week, just like every week. The one where I pick five books and together we review why I think these are the books, if you only had five to choose, that you should be selecting. Without any grander introduction than that, I'm going to dive right into my first choice here on episode number 73 of the Spinner Rack. And that first choice is a lovely selection. Otherwise known as Catwoman number 25. I'm not sure if Matt Fraction or Faction is aware. I'm always going to butcher certain names. If you're a regular, you know that. If not, uh, thank you for the forgiveness in advance. Now, whether or not you're following Mr. Fraction and his recent exploits, which landed Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen here on the DC Comics new Spinner Rack, you will be intrigued by something that Ram V is doing that reminds me so much of Mr. Fraction, and so much of what I enjoy, because actually Catwoman number 25 is not just one story, it's three. The first one, Duende, features gorgeous art by Fernando Blanco, with lovely colors by F.C.O. Placencia, Tom Napolitano on the letters, Joelle Jones and Laura Albert on the cover, Lee Burmeo on the variant cover. Now, both covers are lovely. The first one, vintage, just a, a great sort of splash in color and bright. And the second one, that knowing look of Catwoman's with a bag and a whip and a, a look right before the eventual um, outward movement through a window there's something fun about this one day story about the idea of her seeing herself in a dance on a stage, music playing classic strings, and a tiger, a predator, hunting her while she moves through a series of practice steps. Now, this is, of course, a parallel story, one that's occurring within her psyche and her conscious, one for the benefit of the reader, one that then brings us to the present-day events, ones in which she has partnered with Penguin and Riddler to invade a sacred place, one that has become a refuge for the Joker and for all of his money. The Undertaker is someone who has... Undertaker? See, I'm going to do it sometimes. The Underbroker is someone who has been managing the funds and Selena knows that if she can get in, she can transfer those funds to the benefit of her, Penguin, and Riddler. And yet, there's a reason why this story features a dance with a tiger, one that is absolutely phenomenal to enjoy, one that really makes me love the way, the colors, the shadows, the otherworldliness of this parallel story, and the way it fits, it's rather a treat and one that I encourage you to enjoy. Now, Catwoman always plays by her own rules and rarely plays well with others. The result of this is a couple of really gorgeous splash pages, one where she's tearing down this corridor and stairs and the whole time explaining the Joker and Riddler why much like the parable about the scorpion and the frog, it's in her nature She's doing only what you would expect. Now, she gets by and out with a little help from some friends, but then reveals that once again, she's a creature of her own nature. Now, this is just the first story. There's two more. One that's a lovely return to Allent- Alleytown. Again, with writing by Ranvi, but this time with art by John Paul Leone, Colors by F.C.O. Placentia. Letters by Ariana Mayer. Or Mar, depending on how you pronounce I usually get it wrong one way, but I try and get it right the other. Now, this return to Alleytown is an opportunity for Selena to set up a place where she not only knows her surroundings, but also who's working for and the information that they can provide generally is valuable. She's made a decision that's going to affect her future, put her on the run in the crosshairs. She's going to need a base of operations from which to defend that maybe one to even establish her own place of power. And finally, a lovely little story that will compete with the baby Batman, if you were happy enough to hear about that one here on the spinner rack, and also the very specific issue that it was featured in. It's one of those collector's ones, trust me. You can find it. It's there. And if not, send me a message. I'll be happy to tell you all about it. But this great story, Cat vs. Woman by Ram V, with art by Juan Ferreria, FCO Placencia on the colors, and Ariana Mar on the letters, is a lovely ending, one that reveals just what Selena looks like through the eyes of a kindred spirit, and it's a great way for us to set up what looks like to be a wonderful adventure as we move into Catwoman number 26. That's my first pick. A great 5 out of 5 choice for you here on episode number 73 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Let's go ahead without any hesitation and take a look at my second choice, which happens to be another milestone issue. This one, Detective Comics number 1027. Now, as you might know at least for those of you who are regular listeners what this is like well i'd like to take a look maybe one or two of the stories but for this issue we're talking about a hundred and well 44 pages that's a lot and keeping in mind that there should be plenty of this for you to enjoy i'm only going to take a look at a few what i will say is the collection of talent in this issue from Peter J. Tomasi, Brad Walker, to Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez, to Greg Rucca, and Eduardo Risso, Matt Fraction, Chip Zdarsky, Kelly Sue DeConnick, John Romita, James Tynan, Riley Rossmo, Marv Wolfman, Manuela Lupicino, Grant Morrison, Chris Burnham, Tom King, Walter Simonson, Scott Snyder, Ivan Rice, Dan Juergens, Kevin Nolan, who with Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora. Those are some serious collaborations and some great stories to go with them. Just looking at the first two, Blowback, a lovely sort of walk down memory lane, all of these great moments from Batman's history. At first it can just feel like nostalgia, but really, it becomes something so much more. It's a a walk through the psyche of Gotham, and all the ways that it responds to the violence and the lack of control, corrupt police, and an environment that was crying out for an answer, like Batman, and yet still resists him. It's an amazing moment to see just what happens when someone tries to put him in the crosshairs, and how by giving them exactly what they want, he's able to turn the tables and create their defeat. Nothing like one of those classic moments from Batman, to open up this story, open up this book, and a great example of why Peter J. Tomasi is such a foundational writer when it comes to Batman and DC Comics, and why Brad Walker's pencils are such a lovely accompaniment. Now, our second story is an equally wonderful sort of family-time story, one that brings the whole gang together, if unexpectedly, And the reason makes sense at first, the idea of a body and trying to uncover a mystery that goes with it. Now, I've enjoyed Brian Michael Bendis uh, in many different titles, but there are times when I feel like he ends up talking around the story instead of talking or telling the story. In this instance, while it was great to see such a huge bat reunion, gathered, and the ways that different characters respond to the story, respond to the scene, investigate the crime, and then work together with inside and outside jokes, it's really a treat and a treasure on one level. And then also, it feels like there's a lot of extra conversation about things that maybe this is what they really talk about, or maybe it's something that fills up some panels in space and is supposed to point to different places. I was looking for greater development in the story. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm getting on board with some people who are already against what Brian Michael Bendis is doing, but it does mean that there are times when I would have rather seen the forward motion of the story compared to the discussion sort of around the story or the almost meta discussion occurring within the story about the story because of the story without actually developing it too far by the time we get to the final moments the majority of the mystery is already sort of revealed with a bit of a anti-climatic experience now that doesn't mean we can't find more stories along the way and i would highly encourage you to read all 144 pages of this great collector's milestone issue it's one of those that looks great on the shelf, is even more fun to enjoy. And when they put so many great teams together in one book, it really feels like you end up being the, uh, the one who gets the most value. DC Comics put it all together. Yes, it's a little more expensive than a regular book. But what you get out of it, so many great stories, so much great art, all in one neat package, makes it an easy choice for me to pick as my second book here on Episode number 73 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, a great 5 out of 5 book, a perfect way for us to transition into our ad break. Let you know all the things that have been going on here at DC Comics News, the live stream we had at Fandom. ways you can catch up on previews that we're offering on YouTube, all sorts of great shows that you should be listening to and can. All you got to do is listen to this great ad and then come back for our third, fourth, and fifth choices. Thanks so much, folks. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spitter Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Madbuck, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one... Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, go there. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Cut up the battle, will I definitely do not fuck that In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm One, Thank you for sticking around after that ad break and coming right back for my third, fourth, and fifth choices here on episode number 73. I always appreciate it. I know you got places to go, notifications on your phone, in your life. That you stick around really is something for me to enjoy. As much as I enjoy telling you about my third choice here, Justice League number 53. This is a tie-in, and enter the Metalverse introduction, ...to another chapter of that Dark Knight's Death Metal storyline... ...composed and sort of grandmastered or at least orchestrated or conducted by Mr. Scott Snyder... ...and so many other writers whose titles have been involved with the trajectory... ...and the way that we have seen so much of the details regarding justice, doom, their war and how this is all eventually supposed to sort of rectify, clarify, straighten out DC Comics continuity. I feel like that's always a great challenge. Whether it's achieved or not, it's generally decided by the readers. Curious to hear what your thoughts are. The reason I liked this tie-in to Death Metal, and I don't always like all tie-ins to all big crossovers. I've heard a few conversations recently about that, and I'm reminded of how many times... The concept worked well and how many others it didn't and i feel that there should be a bit of a limit one of the great things about what's going on with the joker war i feel like for the most part it's only affecting the batman titles and if there is a way that that could be considered when it comes to other crossovers specific characters it should affect members of the community or universe it shouldn't really impact the same way or at least if it does so not be a controlling interest in their current story arc then i think that they work at their best for justice league number 53 i really loved the way we hopped into this story and we do so from the viewpoint of a character that i have a big weakness for and that would be our good friend mr dick grayson otherwise known as nightwing now i should say it doesn't surprise me too much that this is a story written by joshua williamson who has done some amazing stuff. Pardon me as I adjust in the squeaky chair. It does not complain. It only lets me know that it has to squeak when I move. Joshua Williamson's writing is matched by this really gorgeous original art by Zermanico with colors by Romelu Fajardo Jr. Tom Napolitano on the letters. I've heard that name recently, haven't you? Liam Sharp and Dave Stewart on the cover. Man, Liam Sharp, I swear. His Green Lantern Season 2 last issue uh, on episode number 72 was such a treat. The way he collaborates with Dave Stewart on this cover is just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, from the lines to the colors to the reflection of the Batman who laughs in the broken blade of Detective Chimp, there's just so much to really sort of absorb and take in. And that's matched, of course, with a really lovely variant cover by Ian McDonald. Together, they look both, on, they both look great on your shelf. They look great in your collection. They're going to be something you're probably going to want to have. Now, this one, much like uh, Catwoman and Detective Comics, is a book that I would recommend having in the physical print. And we'll talk more about that when we get to the end of this episode. But it's difficult to sort of move between some of these splash pages and connect some of the disconnect and to take in that whole glorious uh, expanse. But... I get my reviews on a digital, which made this fun to read, but also reminded me that having the actual physical book and opening it up for those full page spreads is really something that I wanted as I was reading this book because of the content and context that I review it. And it's not always possible. I know I'm going to get the physical book later and I'm going to love it. But it's something for me to keep in mind because as I move through this story, There's so much that I'm sure I'd want to flip back through, feel the weight of the paper in my hands between my fingertips, and sort of recognize not only the story, but the color, the art, the words. Nightwing is a really fun appearance, one who is joined by Kendra, and who meets a detective chimp really not in the mood for any of it. Now, one of my favorite parts of this story is that Nightwing arrives on a metallic steed, one crafted in the fiery forges of Wonder Woman's. Ones that I'm sure are part of the developments that have occurred within the universe ever since the Batman Who Laughs put into play this grand master move has brought to the world and its inhabitants to the place where they are. Now, of course, it's something worth keeping in mind that One of the figures responsible for that becomes a central figure within this story and because of it we are able to see learn and recognize just what it looks like to be on the losing end of history to realize just how wholeheartedly you are wrong about something and how if it's something that you have helped put into play yourself then there's also a strong chance (laughs) albeit an unfortunate one, that can introduce so much regret as I'm sure comes with all processes of understanding. The end result here is that we now not only learn what has transpired since but what sort of horrors are facing. Both Kendra Nightwing and the Detective Chimp along with the potential new ally They're not really excited to have with them, but they're probably going to need and probably at some point either regret or resent making the decision to do so. That is my third pick for episode number 73. Let's go ahead and take a peek at my fourth. Now, after such a heavy sounding 5 out of 5 choice, like the Justice League number 53, Enter the Metalverse story I just referenced, I was looking for something potentially a little bit lighthearted when I looked at Metal Men number 10. But what landed it here on this episode is the revelation that the story by Dan Didio and Shane Davis with dialogue by Didio, art by Davis, inks by Michelle Delecki on page 20, and Jason Wright and colors with Travis Lanham providing the letters Davison Wright on the cover, and Kevin Nolan providing the variant cover. Now, of course, something that catches my attention is the way that this story has really taken one of the best elements of the dark multiverse, and this idea of nth metal, and expounded upon it in a way that really impacts the expected levity that I used to experience with classic characters, like the Metal Men, but Nth Metal and how it operates not only in the present but in the Dark Multiverse is such a key component to this story that it really actually makes me appreciate how many story opportunities now exist with the opening of the Dark Multiverse and some of those great moments we've had that introduce stories from DC continuity after they've been twisted by the Dark Multiverse. But this one introduces what happens when figures from the dark multiverse looking for change, looking for something new, looking for answers, find themselves in our world, and how the Metal is actually a component that was designed to be turned on and used in part of the awakening process for the metalmen. The fact that it wasn't is one of the reasons why his appearance and the emotions he's been able to evoke in the team members have been so not only critical and crucial, but destructive. Of course, what we can also look at is the fact that they were created by an instrumental man who is suffering much of the same complications that we see facing Dr. Will Magnus. And that is the responsibility of creations. More importantly, what happens when the motivations behind those decisions suddenly have consequences. Maybe they weren't anticipated, but they are still consequences and they are ones that must be dealt with. There is a danger, not only inherent to the motivations and the consequences, but how they can impact those of us who are nearby and those who are important. Unfortunately, what we really need to consider now is what happens when the rest of the team decides that they have to take action and involve themselves in this problem from another multiverse. It's going to clearly be a showdown, and with only two more issues left in this maxi-series, I think there are big changes ahead in store for the Metal men. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting both, or at least one of those issues here on an upcoming episode of The Spinner Wreck. Stay tuned to see whether or not it makes it. Now, for my fifth and final choice here on episode number 73, I'm going to go back to something I mentioned earlier about the desire and sort of relationship that I have with the physical page when it comes to books that I'm reading. and certain books, I want to experience that tactile sensation, that ability to well, sort of feel in my hands exactly what I'm also reading and taking in with my eyes. This next book represent number one, by DC Comics is a great digital first that I wish was a physical copy. And this was something that kind of hit home for me when I unexpectedly had to take a uh, drive out to help out with uh, some errands. And in the process of doing so, decided that instead of making my usual Wednesday or Thursday trip to the comic shop to get my pull list, I'd stop it on a Monday, get what was already in, and just pick up the other books on another day. And while there, I completely forgot that this was a digital first. I know that I'd seen chats and conversations in response to this great book. And I'm sure, I'm guaranteed as I think about it, that they said that it was a digital first book. Yet that didn't stop me from in my haste of checking in and getting my books to mention to the shop whether or not this would be something they'd be carrying. And it was like I hadn't made the connection that this would be something only available digital first until, for reasons that have been mentioned by DC executives about whether or not sales or other factors or response or popularity would encourage it to be reproduced as a printed book and I was a little disappointed because after reading this story the first thing I wanted to do was get extra copies and send them off to my nieces and nephews and that's not something I can do I can try and share it when it comes out digitally, but I also know that much like me, and because there are kids raised by my sister, that they enjoy holding books the same way we both did as kids. The only way you could really experience books at that time. So, keeping that in mind, this is a great book with a great story by Christian Cooper, one that I hope will get a chance to be available in stands, in comic books, on stands, in a physical presence of some kind other than digital media. Now, his great story is matched with Really Lovely Pencils by Aletha E. Martinez, Inks by Mark Morales, Colors by Emilio Lopez, Letters by Rob Clark Jr. This doesn't feature any of the superheroes that are commonly associated with DC Comics, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, others. But it does tell the story of a legacy handed down through a pair of binoculars from a korean war veteran and how a young a young bird watcher named jules keeps seeing the faces of people who have been murdered in really tragic circumstances people with names like george like brianna like amadou and in that consideration Jules is not only aware of what he's seeing through those lenses, but how he's being seen by others through their lens, and what happens when someone decides to do something that he knows is wrong. And instead of turning away from the threat, he chooses to look through the binoculars and look up into the sky at so many great figures who have now become reminders of just how perilous life is, and how important it is to recognize when parts of the community are being either mistreated, are being poorly treated, are being abused, are being discriminated against, to any degree, but more specifically when discriminated against to the degree that their lives are taken, that there is more going on than simply what's happening when we look through a lens that there's something we should be seeing about ourselves when we are willing to consider the viewpoint through a lens that shows us things that are uncomfortable to see, painful to remember, hard to watch, but should never be forgotten. It ends with a really great picture of the writer standing in front of a mural that says bird watching is not a crime. And it gives some great details. And then the book proceeds to move into the specifics behind figures like Amadou Diallo, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, Eric Garner, Philando Castile, Tamir Rice, Patrick Dorisman, Sandra Bland, Freddie Gray. And the pages continue. The idea is this isn't something that's going to end. And this is a story that's talking about The risk and the heroism that are happening all around us and that are important for us to be aware of and that viewing them through the lens that this book offers not only is a great opportunity but again one that i would like to see in a physical copy that can be shared that can be hung that can be distributed so that others can be aware not only of the book but the important messages that reside within I really enjoyed making this my fifth and final choice for episode number 73 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. And with that, we've come to a close. Now, of course, I always like to remind that you can follow the DC Comics News Spinner Rack and all DC Comics News Podcast Network content right here on your favorite podcast platform. Now, we're on all the big ones, so if you have friends who like just Apple, Spotify, Breaker, or others, well... Please don't hesitate to let them know we're out there, but we're also on a lot of the little ones too. In fact, if you've got a platform that you feel doesn't get enough attention, but should for all of its great podcast content and all the reasons you think, well, go ahead and let us know. We'd love to hear it and make sure you don't miss out by subscribing on whatever platform you're listening to. When you do, you'll, you'll guarantee that in your feed, you'll get the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast a great opportunity to catch up on all the big news about DC Comics, whether it's movies, television, streaming, comic books, or so much more. You can also get great original content like Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, the irreverent look at the Harley Quinn original show on DC Universe, as well as I Am The Night, an episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman The Animated Series, the classic tale told and hosted by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray. We have future podcasts on the horizon from flicky fashions to tropeville and so much more to look forward to make sure you're keeping up with us how can you always guarantee well one subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening on but two make sure that if you haven't you reach out to us and follow on all the social media platforms that you enjoy and where you can find us we're on youtube facebook twitter instagram and so much more Just look for the at symbol and DC Comics News. That's at capital D capital C capital C O M I C S capital N E W S. And when you do, you will have the opportunity to leave us a message using that at symbol. Tell us what you're thinking, what you like, what you don't, what you think we can do more of, ideas we never considered, praise we love to hear, criticisms we need to know, and anything else you think should be included. In your message to us, we guarantee we'll have all sorts of updates and announcements, surprise interviews, and more. Just make sure you're following us on your favorite channel. Make sure you've got that at DC Comics news symbol when you're making a comment to let us all know what you're thinking. And then, of course, if you have one specifically for me, I've been your host, Seth Singleton. You can go ahead and leave one for me on Twitter, where I am the number one more singleton. Instagram, where I'm Seth the Writer, or you can just check out my dogs, Bruno and Fiji. Their page is cuter. They're more fun. There's just nothing I can do about that. Anything else, just look for me typing into a search engine, Seth Singleton, and the word story from there. Let's have a great conversation. And until next time, as always here from DC Comics, we have just one mission for you, and that is to read more comics. Thanks so much, folks. Can't wait to see you next time.